Welcome to the Ultimate Journey of Self-Care. I am Allison Katzkowski, your host. Thank you so much for tuning in to check out exactly what we're talking about. Self-care means so many things to people. It's one of the reasons I decided to start this show. And you'll hear self-care discussed from a number of different angles in this space. I am grateful to have you with me, and I hope you get a lot out of what I'm going to share with you today. Hey, hey, everybody. It's Allison Katzkowski. Welcome to this edition of the Ultimate Journey of Self-Care. Thank you for joining me on this Tuesday morning. So today... I have the great pleasure of speaking with Becca Ribbing. She is a published author and a coach. And I think what what caught my attention about her work was that she not only has written a book, but she talks a lot about getting clarity and getting connected to what your path is forward, which if you've been following me for a while, you know, those are, are common things, common themes that you hear me talk about quite often. So I figured it would be really fun to have a conversation along those lines. So Becca, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So why don't you just tell my audience a little bit about you, your background, what got you into doing the work that you do? Oh, that's a great question. I started coaching kind of by accident. I, I've actually been coaching for quite a while. Uh-huh. I know that your viewers can't or your listeners can't see me, but you know, I'm in my early 40s at this point. I've been doing this for over 10 years. Uh-huh. And I I got started because I was on my own path of self-discovery. I, you know, I did what we all do. Yeah, I went to school, got the job, wasn't particularly happy in a job that I thought was going to be a very good fit. Uh-huh. And so I, as I was trying to apply for new things, I was having a really hard time getting interviews at the jobs I wanted. Uh-huh. And I was getting interviews at jobs I already knew weren't really in line with what I already had. Uh-huh. And so as I was doing that, I started helping all of my friends because, you know, I was doing all the reading. I was, this was a while That's ago. Interesting. So Isn't like, that funny how that happens, right? It does. Yeah. And so finally, after maybe my third or fourth friend got the job they wanted, I realized that I was really good at this and that this was actually my calling. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I ran with it. I went to coaching school. I put out my shingle and I've been doing it ever since. And you know, I think that one of the things that's interesting about clarity uh-huh. is that when I tell that story, people are like, oh, you figured out in your 20s what you were going to do for the rest of your life. And that's the end of the story. We kind of lump it in almost to like old school 1950s mentality. Uh-huh. Of right, right. Clarity and what you're going to do. But like things have, I've changed so much over uh-huh. those last years. And refined and gone through my own ups and downs. Uh And actually, so uh, my first, my first book is the clarity journal Uh and how that came to be was actually, I was in my own moment of, oh my gosh, now what I had, um, kind of had one of those sticky moments in time. I, I got pregnant with my second kid and now Uh my first kid I was one of those annoying, glowing pregnant people. I did yoga the day I gave birth to my first child. <laughs> my second child, it could not have been more opposite. I ended up having a injury to my hip uh-huh. Uh-huh. in my first trimester. And I ended up having to use a cane oh, wow. off and on for the rest of the pregnancy. And uh-huh. then my husband got his dream job. We moved from Washington, D.C. to Seattle, Washington in my third trimester. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I bet that was fun. <laughs> uh-huh. 
And then little cutie pie was born and had these horrible chronic ear infections for the first year of his life while I was still recovering from the hip injury and like in physical therapy and everything. So needless to say, like to say I was underwater would be like so understating yeah. how I felt in that moment. Yeah. And when you're in those moments of underwater, you let go of everything. You well, know, you I to. was basically, you, you have, have to. to, I was basically you have to let yourself, the- you have to let yourself feel it, but then you just have to let it go. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I was keeping the kids alive and I was maintaining my clients, but everything else was like, just got left off the table. Yeah. And so and also when you are in those moments, you, you recognize that you're in the moment, but you don't have time to self-analyze or think about because you're just not in that space. Yeah. And what I find happens both for my clients and also for myself mm-hmm. is that when it really hits you is when things start getting better and things are getting better and you're like, but I'm not happy. Why am I not happy? This is so much better than it was before. Why am I not happy? Mm-hmm. And and then I also did what we all do. I was complaining to a friend about it. Yeah. <laughs> and as I was complaining to that friend, I she stopped me. She's wonderful. Love her. But I was very annoyed when she asked me, Becca, you are a career coach. What would you tell yourself? Uh-huh. And not find that funny. <laughs> You're like, uh, that, <laughs> right. Uh, right. Yeah. So I hung up with her very quickly and tried to like suppress my inner annoyance for long enough to write down because it was a great point. And I went and wrote down every single thing I could think of that I have asked my clients to help them mm-hmm. figure out what they want. Because I can't tell clients what they should want. The real meat of the coaching relationship is those questions. It's right, helping right. a client get outside of their own thought process and look at problems and challenges in a completely new way. Right. And so right. I'm sitting there just frantically writing out all of the questions I could think of mm-hmm. and then going back and answering for them for myself. And as I was doing that, I was just so reminded about how powerful the questions are, mm-hmm. like how powerful it is to take a problem and look at it in a totally new way. Yeah. And so funny enough, as I was doing all that, I realized that I had let go of my writing. That was the thing that I had let go of mm-hmm. in that in those moments of chaos. Uh-huh. I had had a fairly successful blog that I had 90 people writing for me about mindfulness and meditation. And I had had to let it go because I just couldn't keep up with the workload and do everything else. And uh-huh. so I'd lost, and that had been my outlet for writing. So I uh, lost my outlet okay. for writing. With so maybe the writing, the reason why you felt like it was something that you did really well was maybe the writing and going through the writing process, which every writer I know has a process right. um, that you actually were able to get clarity doing that process. And so right. what I've been hearing in, as you've been talking is, is you're talking about all this, the craziness, the move the health challenges, you know, trying to keep your head above water, et cetera, et cetera, adjusting the new role, new roles and everything. And so what Mm -hmm. I'm hearing you say is that during all that time, I really didn't know what I was doing. I was just told myself I was going to get through it. And now you're saying, 
well, I really, I let go of my writing and my writing is really where I felt like I was at my best. So that, that to me speaks volumes about clarity, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so then I decided to make that into my first big writing project. Okay. Um, after, okay. And, and that's how you wrote the clarity journal. And that's how I wrote the clarity journal. Interesting. Interesting. So in your work, then, if if I can just call you a clarity coach for a minute, just for the okay. sake of simplicity, right. what do you find? Pe- why do you think people have a problem getting clarity, whether it's around their life or around, say, a personal challenge or a career challenge or you know whatever it is? Why do you think people say, I just don't know what it is? You know, I think it's I think there are a couple things. Um, I think it really goes back to that 1950s mentality, that idea that you're going to have one job and for the rest of your life. You're either going to like it or you're not going to like it, but you're not going to really switch. Mm-hmm. And we obviously are no longer in that space. But we haven't but we been haven't, for a long time. Honestly. And we haven't been for a long time. But we do kind of pull in that energy when we talk about clarity. Mm-hmm. We think of clarity as this thing that once we get it, it will last us a lifetime. And that isn't realistic because we are growing, engaged, learning human beings. And what is an interesting creative challenge? What is an interesting problem to solve now Mm -hmm. or an interesting way to engage now isn't necessarily going to be as interesting in three years. Once you've mastered it, once it's no longer growing and changing. The the world we live in is very different now too. And it really, since then, if you really want to, you know, belabor the point, since the 1950s, I mean, pretty much every decade has ushered in some big change, whether it's a change in how we live, whether it's a change in, you know, traditional family roles, if you will, or, Mm -hmm. you know, just events of the world in general. I mean, right now it's like, you know, since the COVID pandemic, you know, you know, we're embracing the whole idea of being virtual a lot more than we ever did. And that's not changing anytime soon, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so I think, I think to just say, you know, well, you know, the world is different. Yeah, it's different. But I think, I think there are multiple changes happening now. And so I think, I think with each and every one of those changes, I think we always have an opportunity to ask ourselves what's next. So it kind of, it's kind of a different layer of clarity with each change, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It is. But I think also when you can embrace the fact that you don't know what the future is going to hold and how the future is going to change. When you can embrace finding clarity for right now, Mm -hmm. then that really helps because I think a lot of people get commitment phobic about clarity. It's like they have one like bolt of inspiration. They want to run with it, but then they start second guessing themselves about whether they're going to want to do it in five years or whether it's going to really work. And it's Mm -hmm. like, it's like, if I can't see a path for the next Mm -hmm. 20 years where this is going to take me, then it's probably not the right answer. Well, I also think that that has, and sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I think, but I I also think a lot of that has to do with the generation that we're speaking of. Mm -hmm. I mean, my dad is 82 and he just retired two years ago after practicing medicine for 50 years. Oh my gosh. Um, and to me, that's not really a 1950s mentality. That's just somebody who loved his profession and was right. good at it and, you know, just found purpose and felt like this is what he was put on this earth to do. And, you know, I, th- I think there's a difference between saying I have to stick with this and this is what I'm really excited about. I don't really know what I'm going to do in 10 years, but I'm going to enjoy this ride while I can. 
Well, I think that's actually a really interesting point because I find that people who are nurses, teachers, sometimes mm-hmm. they really struggle with totally. This I agree because it's because the job isn't changing with them. And so, you know, some people are pretty happy staying in one place and medicine's kind of an interesting. And and don't get me wrong. It's definitely changed quite a bit too. Right. And I was going to say, that's what, that is literally just what I was about to say is like, it's changed so much that keeping up with it. Right. 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 But I think that a lot of people struggle with the idea that what they're doing today, Mm -hmm. they act like, they struggle with whether they'd want to do it in 30 years because they inherently know that they are going to grow and change. Yeah, And yeah. so focusing, I think that focusing on clarity in two to three year chunks mm-hmm. makes a lot more sense for most of us Yeah, because then it, it doesn't put that pressure on that. I have to know like where this is leading because I find that when people well, are really purposeful about mm-hmm. each next step, mm-hmm. you know, and really can, acknowledged their, their weaknesses, their blind spots, as well as their strengths. Yeah. Yeah. And wherever that leads is actually going to be the right direction. Well, of course. And I mean, what we may find is that we make a decision now, you know, it's like my coach reminds me making decisions is like always a series of doors, right? right? And you can look at like next steps in your life as being the same, you know, kind of cut from the same cloth. Well, if I go through this door, how do I know that it's not going to change next year? Well, right. you don't know. But what you do know is that when you walk through that door and you make the choice that you're there's going to be another door to walk through at some point and you'll get to make that decision at that point. You know, so right. I think it's I think there's a real lesson to be learned for people to kind of be in the uncomfortable and just kind of because sometimes I really believe I mean that really our greatest challenges are often our greatest opportunities if we look at it that way. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, we can look at the fact that, well, I don't know in three years what it's going to look like. How do I know that, you know, the world's not going to be different or or whatever, you know? I mm-hmm. mean, we don't know that. But what mm-hmm. we do know is that what we think we want to do in the moment, that's really all we have is the present. So we right. we have to make the best of that and trust that the next decision will come at the right time and we'll figure it out. You know, I think a lot of it is how we talk to ourselves. Yeah. I think you're very right. Right. So I've got a cool invitation for you. Ever since the pandemic turned the health and fitness and wellness industry on its collective head, what I'm feeling called to do now is to help health and fitness entrepreneurs build and innovate and grow in their businesses. And I've opened up a brand new community on Facebook, and I would love for you to come over and join me there. So if you are a business owner, if you are working on a brand new idea, if you're developing a new product, or if you're feeling called to serve at a higher level within the health and fitness and wellness space in the collective, I want to invite you to come over and join me there. Join me over in my Innovate and Grow for fitness and wellness professionals in the coaching space on Facebook. I would love to have you there. We've got lots of really fun things going on in there. I've got my weekly live show that I do every Wednesday at noon where I give away real informative business tips, the real stuff, folks. This isn't just some cheesy sales strategy. Come over and join me and innovate and grow for fitness and health wellness entrepreneurs on Facebook so that you don't miss any of the action. I will see you there. What do you find people, as far as the I don't know thing, let's say I'm just, I'm 
you know, I'm, I'm sort of getting in the head of possibly somebody that maybe you're working with and mm-hmm. maybe they're struggling with making a decision. Um, well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this for the rest of my life or if this career is going to be the one for me. What would you encourage them in terms of, you know, not just what to think about it, but how to approach how to do their action steps around that? Like, in other words, walk me through how you teach clarity. So one of the things that I do, there are a lot of different steps and I'm obviously not going to go over all of them, but I think one of the things that I like to talk about that doesn't necessarily come naturally to people is that, you know, I think that at this moment in time, I don't focus so much on Gen Z versus millennial versus right. Gen X. Right. What I think we are in is we are in the Google generation. We yeah. are all of us in this space where all of a sudden all of human knowledge supposedly is at our fingertips. Right. And you feel one often feels like they should be able to figure it out on their own uh-huh. because they have all of this information. They can literally Google anything and find out an answer. But the problem with that, the thing that we've like that we've left out is for all of human history, we have valued so much experience uh-huh. and learning from experienced people. And so I think where we are, where we've become disconnected and honestly lonely uh-huh. is that we try to figure out all we try to synthesize all of this information but we literally don't have the the experience to know which is the right answer and we aren't reaching out to other people to figure out the right answer or if we are a lot of times it's in that kind of space that i was talking about yeah when i was talking to my friend it's like oh i don't know i don't know and my yeah, friend's just right. like get a grip right no no <laughs> you know, i totally it, hear you yeah but and, and i agree with you i think there's almost too much information out there it can be right. it can be overwhelming right And then we think if you're an action taker and you're used to just going out and making things happen, like so many of us are that are entrepreneurs and business leaders, you know, we forget that, you know, it's okay if we don't know what the next step is, you know, that maybe our next step, right. And, and, and maybe our next step is not to take a step. Right. Right. Well, and I think that like the next step really is to if you don't have the experience to really make the decision to go talk to as many people that do as possible, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you end up talking to one person isn't usually enough because if you talk to one person, you might be a little too likely to take their word as gospel or like to let them influence you too much. But if you can do your research, take that research information to multiple people to brainstorm with, Mm -hmm. then it really helps you to synthesize the information for yourself. And Mm -hmm. I think a really great example that most people will understand is that when I was explaining what I do to someone, I was, um, during that whole process of recovering from my hip, mm-hmm. I did Pilates and Pilates, I, the Pilates I did was one-on-one with a private um, instructor. And so we had a lot of time to sit and talk while I was doing the Pilates machine mm-hmm. and stuff. And I was explaining what I do. And mm-hmm. and she had asked a very similar question, like, how do you bring people through this? And I talked a lot about, oh, well, I ask, I have people actually do research in a much bigger, more global way. Yeah. And like in bringing in other people. And she was like, oh my gosh, if I had talked to you, I would have never become a Pilates instructor. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's a heavy realization. Like, you know, I was like, yeah. like, okay, so tell me more. And she was like, if I had done that, I would have ended up talking to people that already were Pilates instructors before I went to training to be a Pilates instructor. Mm -hmm. And I would have realized that it's a split shift. Mm -hmm. I did not know getting into this, that when you are working in any sort of physical, like high-end physical fitness thing, you've got the people that want to get up really early in the morning before work. Like you have to be at work at six. Yep. And I'll then attest you, to that being in health and, and fitness. Yep. And then you work until maybe the stay-at-home moms finish up after school, like 10, 11. And then there's this big gap. And then it starts back up in the afternoon mm-hmm. and goes till late at night. And then then this woman, I was in a you know, a decently expensive neighborhood. We were in Seattle. Seattle's expensive. She couldn't afford to live mm-hmm. in the neighborhood she was teaching. Mm-hmm. So she had nowhere to go. She didn't have enough time to go all the way home and all the way back. She was just wasting yeah. so much of her time. And then she'd get home and have to turn around and go right to bed because yeah. she had to wake up so early. And that was a really powerful story to me because uh-huh. I think that that happens to so many people on so many levels because you take a look at the sales pages, you take Uh, a look at the, you know, like the positive stories. And, but if she had talked to five people in health and fitness first, she would have heard that, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And, and so that's kind of where like the nitty gritty of what I do is I help people like think through and synthesize that information for themselves. Mm. And for some people, the love of physical fitness like I'm going to do it anyway. For other people, it's like, you know what? I need to figure out how to do this online because I cannot yeah, go right. into a gym. I got to like, figure out what's going to work for me. Right. Right. And so yeah. it doesn't even necessarily mean that physical fitness isn't the place I want to go. Uh-huh. It's just that I need to understand the realities of uh-huh. what this is totally, and go into it with eyes wide open. Cause I mm-hmm. think that that's where people get stuck mm-hmm. is like they they make the leap and then yeah. the leap isn't what they thought that it would yeah. be and that well is... we can say that about a lot of a lot of like a lot of career professions if you will or choices or whatever right so many and then yeah. it feels like you made the wrong decision and it makes it really hard mm-hmm. the next time you need to make the leap because mm-hmm. it's like oh i didn't make the decision with all the information yeah maybe i shouldn't maybe i am not trustworthy to make these decisions well it's funny that you bring up decisions um, because this is something that I I teach a lot in my programs and that I've worked on with my own coach. And the thing about decisions is, is that the more decisions you make, the better you get at making them. And there's really never a perfect decision to make, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We make decisions for a number of different reasons. But I think the most important thing for me that I've learned about making decisions and, you know, I've made a lot of good decisions and I've made decisions that haven't worked out. You know, it just, that's just the way it, the way it goes. But I think one of the things that I've learned about making decisions over the years, the most, two things, really, the two things that really stand out to me are number one, love the reason you're making the decision one way Mm -hmm. or the other. You know, I'm making this decision because I'm not comfortable with the possible schedule that this job is offering me to use your example. So I'm going to make a different decision, right? The Mm -hmm. other aspect of that is you want to always have your own back after you make the decision. Like don't second guess yourself. Don't say, well, crap, I really messed that up. You know, you want to love the reason you're doing it 
and then cheer yourself on afterward. You know what I mean? So you can't do this back and forth kind of thing, which I think is what you were talking about. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and and I just think that when I when, I love that because like yeah. when you can love the decision making process, yeah. you're coming at it from a place of strength. Right, exactly. And you know, honestly, the more decisions you make, the better you get at making them. Now, does right. that mean that they're always going to work out? Maybe, maybe not. But the point is is that you're going to feel better about flexing that muscle, right? To use a fitness right. analogy, it's like when you're strengthening a muscle, you have to keep overloading and challenging that muscle so that it gets stronger and it gets more resilient. Right. So, well, and I would, I was also going to say the other thing that came to my mind when you said that is that when you're making a lot of decisions, Mm -hmm. then the few bad decisions you make aren't so scary and so overpowering because you have a track record of success. Right. That speaks to that experience piece that you were talking about earlier. Right. Yeah, no, I totally get that. So such a great, great conversation, just lots of golden nuggets here for people to take away. Let's say someone out there is listening and they're thinking, okay, I can, I can, I can get on board with this whole process. I'm, I'm tired of feeling like I'm just in the weeds. What's one action tip or one piece of advice that you can offer people to take away today for anyone out there is listening? I think that starting with your strengths, if you are doing this on your own by yourself, the place to start is really take an inventory of what your strengths are and also what's going well in your life. Because I find that when people do this by themselves, one of the hazards is that they are so ready for a change mm-hmm. that they make a wholesale change that they don't actually really like. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they convince themselves, they make rationalizations mm-hmm. because they aren't valuing the things that are good right now. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that is the most important groundwork that you can do is to mm-hmm. really take stock of everything that's going on in your life. That's going well, how you contributed to it, like really dive into it. Mm-hmm. And I've, I'm obviously a writer and I love writing, but that doesn't have to be writing. I often talk to people that don't like writing. It's like, well, then whip out your, like download Otter onto your phone and just transcribe it or just send yourself a a video message or an audio message because getting it out concretely also helps you commit to it in a way Mm. that just sitting there thinking about it rarely does. Yeah. So, and, you know, I think, I think that's a really helpful piece of advice because I think we can get in our heads a lot. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, by writing it down or, you know, even if it's on a sticky note or the back of an envelope or like whatever scrap piece of paper you've got laying around, at least you're getting it out. Right. Right. And you get it out. You can acknowledge it and say, okay, now, now I'm going to make, now I'm going to decide. You don't quite feel as um, garbled up, if you will. So, right. Becca, thank you so much for making time to talk with me today. Where can people find you? Um, the Clarity Journal is really easy to find on Amazon. And you can find me at BeccaRibbing.com. That's B-E-C-C-A-R-I-B-B-I-N-G. Okay. Any social media channels or handles? I, that... Same, Becca Ribbing. Okay. Um, so you're on and Facebook, all, Instagram, and, and the I'm whole on, thing. Yeah, the okay. whole thing. And you can find those links on my website as well. Okay. Fantastic. Anything else before we before we close down? Believe in yourself. Like the the big frame, the big key to all of this is starting to be more comfortable with believing in yourself and actually putting yourself first. 
Well, and trusting yourself too. And trusting yourself. Yeah. yeah. And that, that starts with, you know, saying, all right, I'm whatever, I don't know, I'm going to figure it out. Right. That's one exactly. of my mantras. I tell myself that every day. So, yeah. So anyway, such a great conversation. Thank you for joining me. Thank um, you for having anyone me. out there is listening and wants to connect with Becca, please do so go to her website. You'll find all that in the show notes, BeccaRibbing.com. Or you can find her by her name on her social media channels as well. Facebook, Instagram, the whole thing. And look for her book, The Clarity Journal on Amazon. Sounds very intriguing. This is a concept, I think, that means different things to different people. But I think when you can um, learn, not just learn more about what the subject is, like a subject like clarity probably has a lot of different meanings. But I think... I mean, the the proof is right there in the pudding, you know, clarity journal. So journaling actually helps give you clarity, right? That's kind of like what we were talking about. Make sure that you take advantage of that if this really speaks to you. So, um, and I just want to say before I sign off, um, thank you for supporting, for all of your support of my show and my message, helping me share this, this episode when it comes out with whomever you feel like needs to hear it, reaching out to Becca for support or myself. Um, you know, just know that you are never alone and that the process of self-care is a journey. Um, it changes as we change and it evolves as we evolve. And I think that's a really important thing to take away, regardless of where you are, is that, you know, every day you can decide to begin, you can decide to change, you can decide to do something different. This whole thing about making decisions is a meta skill. And the more that you get used to doing it, the better you'll get at it, okay? There's never a perfect decision, remember. The process is in the work of learning to make the decisions and making them quickly and having your own back, like I said. This is Allison Katzkowski with The Ultimate Journey of Self-Care, your one step closer to living your ultimate life. So make it a good one. 